Hi, my name is Johnny, and I have never seen The Princess Bride. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. As always, my name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And we are joined, as you heard up top, again by Johnny. Johnny, welcome. You're on the hot seat this week. How's everyone doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Decent decent holiday all around for everyone? Yeah. Saw no one, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. That's technically what we were all supposed to do anyway. Right, right. It works out in the end. But the uh, the holidays are over. We we wrapped up uh, Chris, our Christmas season last week with... With Black Christmas, uh, something that we, I think, came away all very high on. How are you guys feeling uh, a week later now? You still you still riding high on Black Christmas? Still riding high. Yeah, still, still riding high. Definitely, high. definitely very memorable, for sure. I still very much enjoyed it. To the point where I was, like, trying to convince, like, you, do, you don't have to like horror movies. It's not even technically really that scary. It's just a really good movie. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> So yeah, as as you heard, we are here to do um, what many would call the greatest love story of all time, uh, a movie that Johnny has not seen in The Princess Bride. Johnny, how dare you? (sighs) I know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I uh, I am a fan of uh, Rob Reiner's work, so um, I don't know. I I think because I just seen more of his uh, adult movies, I guess I've seen. Uh, like uh, Spinal Tap, which I absolutely adore. I think it's amazing. Some of the other ones, like uh, The American President, I enjoyed. His movies are very, they're not very controversial, which is a good thing for him, I think. It's there. I mean, listen, Spinal Tap is Spinal Tap, but um, they're just, they're they're safe, but they're like safe in a good way. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah it's just like, it's just fun comedy that doesn't really, it's not going for anything. It's not trying to be, you know, edgy. It's not trying to prove a point. It's just like, I guess, vaudeville-esque in that sense, where it's just like, hey, it's just funny. It's just nonsense and goofy, and we're yeah. gonna we're gonna have a good time with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah I can. I go. I. I just, it's, it's. 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 It seems like he sticks to a formula that works for a lot of his movies, and he's also he acts in a lot of movies too. I know he mm-hmm. wasn't as recently as uh, what do you play uh. Jordan Belfort's father in The Wolf of Wall Street, um, which was a fun little turn for him. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have an excuse for why this one has uh, – I have not seen it. I, I can only blame my parents because it's – I understand it to be a kid's movie. At least maybe you guys can clear that up for me, but it just never uh, fell into our uh, our rotation. I don't know. Uh, Bridget, how would you classify this? I wouldn't say it's a kid's movie. I wouldn't say it's not for kids, but I wouldn't classify this as a kids movie. Yeah, I was going to say, like, jumping off of your point about Reiner as, like, this sort of, in some ways, like, very neutral director. Not boring, but just... Just not very very edgy. Yeah, he's the, like, if you have, like, your David Lynch is, like, this really crazy, like, curry with obscure spices, like, very, like out there in terms of the flavor palette rob reiner is probably white rice maybe but you're gonna like you it goes well with everything it's accessible to everyone and it can be enjoyed by everyone sort of thing 
It's right. a foundational um, piece to the dish, yeah, you know. Foundational, thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. It's good as an appetizer. It's good as a main course. You put it, you make it into a pudding. It's great as a dessert. I mean, you've got yeah. your options. Versatile. You cover the gamut. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I think it's for the same reasons I like a lot of uh, Ron Howard's movies is that they're just, mm-hmm. they, they work, you know, studios hire him because they know he'll get the job done. It maybe won't be like amazing. Uh, sometimes it's just mediocre, but I think for the most part, I don't think he's made like a what to be considered to be a bad movie, Ron Howard. I mean, I guess we can argue on that at some other point, but yeah. uh, it's uh, he just again very like you know salt and pepper, not the curry and the cumin and yeah. the quarantinas of the world, um, but a a director who can get a job done and maybe. Uh, cross genre if you will with a you know comedy or again i guess maybe in this case fantastical elements yeah and i would say you know because i never watched this movie as a kid i think i saw it well i guess i was in high school so it depends on your definition of kid but it wasn't like this was a movie that like as i was getting into like my movie buff period as a teenager like i sought out because it felt like a hole in my knowledge base. And then like, you know, it has grown on me over the years. Like, but I remember like, it's a movie I remember, like I can visualize it, like the clamshell VHS at like the video rental store, like where it's at, like kind of thing. Like the imagery of it was like around when I was young, but it wasn't something that like, was like a kid family movie it's something i came to as a more fully formed person right the way to put it i and i think too um just being you know a, a boy uh you know growing up that i just just that the word and the title alone princess pride <laughs> it just doesn't scream <laughs> like dinosaurs or explosions or anything that i was maybe sort of getting into during that time period i understand to be late 80s but i probably started watching live action type of movies uh, like early '90s or the mid '90s. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if 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 the Princess Bride had any opportunity to sneak into uh, like me watching anything, it would have been as a cartoon, and it would have been along the lines of the the Lady and the Tramps and the Little Mermaids and all the other ones that I even saw as a child because it was a Disney movie. It was just it was a part of the catalog and it was a staple, and you had to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess when I started getting more into the live action uh, films that. I when this maybe came up as an option or I saw it like in the movie store, I was like, yeah, no, I don't think there's going to be anything in here for me of substance. So um, which is a shame, you know, I mean, because I'm sure, again, you guys seem to be pretty excited about watching this. So I'm sure it's going to be a good movie. Um, but even in my later years, you get into the teens and whatever. It's just not something that just jumps at you as a, a guy. So um, as you know, started getting into the fact of, uh, you know, really loving film and chasing it professionally and uh, learning about it, uh, that this movie uh, uh, pops up a lot in a lot of discussions uh, and it pops up on a lot of lists. I understand it to be pretty high or somewhere on the IMDb 250 mm-hmm. um, scale. Um, so I understand it to be a beloved movie in a lot of circles. Um, and uh, it does seem to be at least once or twice where I've mentioned that I've never seen The Princess Bride, that someone had actually said, like, are you insane? So I, you know, I, it's just I don't never, never had the opportunity to explain it like I am now why I haven't seen it. But um, I suppose, uh, Adam, what is your history with this movie? 
Um, so before like jumping into that, though, I, I will say I'm so extremely happy that you framed this the way that you did in terms of why you'd never seen it. And I won't get into why, but I think once you start yeah. watching the movie and Bridget already knows, yeah. um, it, everything will kind of be explained to you a little bit. Um, and so the mindset that you have going into this is like very exciting for me given the context of the movie and what Bridget and I and the collective Princess Bride viewing audience knows already uh, right. for you. So like, I'm not, I, you know, I don't want to go yeah. into any details or anything, but like right. I'm, your reasoning why you haven't seen it is going to be so that much better going into it than I think you realize. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, listen, this was the easy bake oven of movies for me. Like I was creepy crawlers, you know what I mean? This yeah. <laughs> This was. No, the, I the, totally get why. I yeah. totally get everything that you've said, um, and it's a hundred percent valid, and it's a hundred percent right. But the second this movie starts, you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, I was so wrong." Right. Um, so like, I'm ve- I'm very excited for it, and and we'll touch on why in the in the after part, so we don't have to you know do any spoilers or anything here at the start. Sure. Um, I don't know when the first time I saw this was. It's not like a you know one of those, it's burned into my brain, vivid memory kind of things. Um, mostly because as a kid, you don't think that in the future, I'm going to have a podcast where I need to remember that this is the first <laughs> time I saw this beloved classic. Um, but it's something that I, you know, I revisit all the time. I, it's probably at least once a year, I would think. And now in the advent of streaming, it's available everywhere. Like I know I've watched it within the last year. I've, you know, I own it on Blu-ray. I've got a copy on VHS. Like it's, you know, and every, you know, and every five years they put out a new anniversary edition. So you got to go and check out what's yeah. new or what's different or what's cut from it or, <laughs> you know, what weird scene can be, uh, can be inserted back in, in or out of context. So, I mean, this is one that I, I go back to all the time for, for all of the reasons that one revisits a movie that they like. It's, you know, it's got everything I, I could want in it. And, you know, you know, all the lines and you know, all the scenes and the acting's great and, and just so many different facets of it just check all of the boxes for a, a good classic movie. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to kind of to get into this with you and, and see what you think of it. Um, because I, I'm one of those people that like, I, I can't believe you haven't seen this, <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, and I'm not casting judgment cause we don't do that here. Everybody's everybody misses things that are, you know, obvious, obvious watches for somebody else. Um, but when you said you hadn't seen it, I was genuinely surprised just because it is one of those that's in every circle. Like, I don't know, and Bridget, you may know, but I don't think I've ever met anybody who didn't like it. Not to put any pressure on you, John. <laughs> I feel like I, I've i maybe met one person, but I can't even picture their face. Like, if someone came up to me and was, like, if I was, Not like, memorable. talking about, yeah. like, they're dead uh, to you the princess bride yeah basically like i literally would have been like no thank you and like turned and walked away <laughs> just like no <laughs> dead to me gone do like, i know you so i've forgotten yeah. them they, they're gone into the mists of my yeah. memory um if they do exist but, um yeah. i so uh, yeah I, i'm trying to understand this from a gathering without you guys spoiling anything like why this maybe is such a beloved movie and whether it's a beloved movie that um is more appreciated as someone with a little more of a brain on their shoulders, a little older, you know, teens, twenties, whatever. Um, but I'm starting to maybe understand and I'm not trying to jump to any conclusions, but I do. I mean, Rob Reiner also did stand by me, which, mm-hmm. you know, is such a great, um, 
kids movie. It's such a but it's it's so much more of an adult movie too that there's so many more deeper themes and uh, dark things going on that are completely over kids' heads. And I think this has been a topic of discussion for some of the other movies we've watched. You know, you know the Santa Claus and other things. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> right. So I'm I'm curious if uh, if you think Rob Reiner or the studio's uh, objective with this movie was to capture the most broad audience as possible, um, or this was most definitely a kids movie with a you know adult stuff sprinkled in, without getting into too many spoilers. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I feel like it's painting it as a kids movie is too broad a brush. I think. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely a family film. It's family mm-hmm. friendly. It's not anything where, you know, it's not in the standby me sense where it's a little heavy handed for kids. Like, I don't think there's anything like that really in it. I And that may, I may change my mind rewatching and being like, oh yeah, of course this is terrible. And for kids, I can't believe it, but I can't really <laughs> yeah. think of anything off the jump where I'm like, yeah, this is not the thing for kids. Like it's, it's a family movie in that it's available mm-hmm. and accessible for all ages and they can all get something out of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree. And like the fact that like, sort of like the barometer for, I think the wholesome entertainment in some ways is like it's streaming on Disney plus, you know, um, right. with minimal, yeah. minimal changes. After it didn't that. get, it didn't get moved to Hulu, you know, because yeah. it was too, <laughs> instead, you know? it was too racy. Um, I think it's, it's a it's a movie that has a good amount of scaffolding too, which is part of the reason like it becomes so enjoyable because there are things that like it does that like you can appreciate it on this level when you're this age, you can appreciate it on this sort of next level as you get older, like the more time goes on, that sort of thing. Um, and whether I don't know if I could speak to the intentionality of that beyond just like I think that's a great way to like just do a movie and have it be particularly a family movie have it be accessible and enjoyable for everyone right yeah so I I think that like in terms of studio intentions I do think it is something where it was probably intended to cover the gamut of you know five to 95 kind of thing like it's one of those and you Mm -hmm. could show this to anybody and there's a good chance they'll get something out of it whether it's the humor, the acting, the plot, you know, stuff that happens in the plot that I, you know, won't get into in terms of, you know, some of the things that exist in it. But, um, and it, in the movie kind of like the movie starts and it gives you like your, your question will be answered in the first five minutes. I'm fairly okay. certain in terms of what to expect and what you kind of think this will be going forward. Cause it does a really good job of painting that expectation for you right from the get-go um the way a trailer or a synopsis wouldn't necessarily convey right Um, so i think a lot of that will get answered fairly early on for you so you won't have to be there won't be a chance that you'd be hyper focused on trying to figure that out Um, so you don't that's not something i don't think you'll have to worry about i feel like once you start it and once you see how it you know how it gets going and how you know, the story is going to kick off and progress, I think you'll realize that like, oh, okay, this is what I'm in for. I don't have to worry about the, like the minutia of it. Yeah, I have no, I have no worries about this movie whatsoever. I don't feel like I'm going to be, have the rug pulled under me. I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I'm going to be really surprised and I feel like I am going to like it purely in the fact that it, this is just a lifelong sort of face value, uh, 
analyzation of this movie to be honest with you it's just the fact that it's the princess bride and i don't remember what the cover looked like i haven't looked at it i can picture three different covers from various editions (laughs) (laughs) so i i'm excited to be sort of relieved and maybe not proven wrong but to finally put this to to bed if you will why this this movie was always uh why is there a tongue-in-cheek joke about a bed in this (laughs) No, I, just, I, don't, like, I don't know. Maybe I just like the Maybe idea. Of, like you, like very seriously, like sick of the Princess Bride. It's time to put this to bed. Like it's, it's, you, it's you, you and bed. Princess Bride are, are like squashing beef. Yeah, exactly. No, I know. I, well, I, listen. <laughs> I I'm not trying to just like check this one off. I really would love to come away liking it as much as you guys and like enjoying it. And again, like we all say, watch it for a couple of commercial breaks. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. There's there's people in the movie that uh, I'm excited to see. I I understand Andre the Giant's in it, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah. So I it, it has everything going for it, uh, and obviously the recommendations of you guys too. So um, again, I beyond that, I have absolutely no idea what this movie is about. I only see the the description that it's a romantic comedy fantasy adventure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, I which is probably a fair assessment, but yeah, it's it's no lies there. No, that's right. it's apt, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited because I mean, this is I think this is the first like kind of one that we did where I'm not on the hot seat, and this is like something that I really really love, as opposed to like oh these were good, I like it, you know. Um, but this is one where I'm, I think this is one where if you don't like it, and again, no pressure, um, I'm gonna be sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna read fixing words after the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, quickly end the Skype call, like. Mm. Yeah, right. I'm gonna need to put you to bed. Cancel the podcast. <laughs> put, you yeah. bed. <laughs> put you to bed. We're gonna have, we're gonna have beef that needs squashing, putting yeah. to bed style. Um, okay, well, Bridget, anything else that you want to convey to Johnny, or any other questions that you have for him, or anything you want him to think about before we we head off on our own and and give this a go? No, I think it's exciting to like, um, you know, have this be. Like really, like the less said mm-hmm. discussion afterwards. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited that you know next to nothing about this. Yeah, uh, as opposed to having some idea or some semblance of the plot or how it works or anything else like that. Like I'm, it's more exciting that you know pretty much nothing uh, going into this. So, right. Uh, all right, Johnny, what do you got to say for yourself? Fine. I'll watch it. There you go. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we have finished watching The Princess Bride, the 1987 Rob Reiner film. Um, Johnny, you were on the hot seat. You have seen this movie now for the very first time. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, I thought it was very charming. Uh, there are a lot of great little moments sprinkled throughout, a lot of interesting characters. Um, I found it to be a profoundly strange movie. <laughs> um, I get that. We will talk about why. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Um, and I do have a theory about it. It's probably wrong, but we'll we'll touch on that. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I just I can see why the it's almost impossible to critique this movie like on a sort of I didn't like it like it. It's like, I think you just sort of walk away liking it no matter what. There's just something about it that you're just going to have to, you're not going to have to, but you sort of just attach yourself to that you like about it. Yeah. And then, um, so I can see why, because this movie's very, 
genial, innocent. Um, there's nothing offensive about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're <laughs> well, the rats are very offensive. We'll talk about that <laughs> later on. The rodents of unusual size. Uh, exactly the ruse. Uh, the RUS. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, where do you guys want to sort of take off from here about it? Do you guys have anything to say about it? Viewing it for the third time, for the 33rd time? Oh, I mean, it's still just as, it's still just as good each and <laughs> yeah. every time I watch it. Uh, I did th- This wasn't one of those things where I, I, I didn't really notice anything different. I didn't like look at it in a different way because I think it's just at this point it's so ingrained, you know, you know, when you see it enough times, you know everything there is to know because you just, it's very, you know, on the surface. There's not a lot of deeper digging to it. There's not hidden meanings or metaphors. There's there's not even a lot of stuff happening like in the background that you wouldn't normally notice. Like it's all just kind of upfront for you, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Right. Yeah. That doesn't see, again, I, I, this movie's, um, like I said, it's very like everything's in the foreground. There's nothing really going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, for long stretches of this movie, it looks like it has no budget whatsoever. Um, <laughs> there's yeah. just there's so many sequences where it's like it could have been shot for no money whatsoever. Um, until you get to where, towards the end with the castles and some of the other stuff. Um, the the what was it? The fire swamp. The fire swamp. Like, yeah. Fire swamp. Essentially, but it did um, look like Dagobah. Yeah. <laughs> it's an impossibly simple movie, if I can put it that way. Yeah, so Johnny, just to, to to your point about the budget, sixteen million dollars in in nineteen eighty seven. All right, so pretty modest. Yeah, so not not anything highbrow, but not the hundreds of thousands either. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, is there anything in particular that you want to start with? I mean, is there anything that's that jumped out to you as being particularly amazing or particularly, you know, not? <laughs> yeah. So again, I. The only critique I think I'll have of this movie, and then we can sort of just move on to all the the, the little things that I like, because there's nothing there's nothing really um, big or major about the movie that I, I love. It's all like individual lines or moments that I mm-hmm. really sort of make up the the movie that I like. Yeah. I would say if I had to critique it, it's simply because it's a movie, and this will happen, I'm sure, with a lot of the movies that we watch, is that they're simply put on an impossible pedestal, or they've just been talked about way more than they should not that way this mm-hmm. again i'm not to say this movie shouldn't have talked about way more than it should but that uh i just i i thought there would have been more i thought there would have been something i would have been attached to again i think that has a lot to do with the fact that i didn't find the wavelength that i think a lot of the audience members maybe you guys too uh really like about this movie i think it's the same thing with like uh like mighty python and other movies where if you're just like not on board, you're just you're not gonna like it. But thankfully, there's a lot of interesting characters and moments and uh, pieces of dialogue. Literally, all my notes are just like quotations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot there's a lot to be had there. So I'll be interested to see which ones you picked up on because there's a lot of really good uh, moments in this. Were there any that you like seeing them now or hearing them in context? Were there any that you had heard before outside of context and like maybe didn't know what it was from or didn't understand the reference. Cause there are some iconic lines from this, um, you know, like the Inigo Montoya, you kill my father, prepare to die, have fun storming the castle, things like that. Had you heard any of those prior to watching this? The, the first one you mentioned okay. is one that I've definitely heard before. Uh, I, I actually don't even remember recalling hearing it until like, uh, Till like till remembering that I do remember that line while watching this movie. Like I just it's all like oh shit that's where it's from, um, and even more so I now know where <laughs> Puss in Boots came from. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that has got to be a direct sort of influence, is it not? From the Shrek movies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it, the character of Puss in Boots has been around forever, Johnny. I don't think that had anything to do with this. <laughs> no, I know. Well, I mean, it's th- that line is in that movie verbatim in some sort of way, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. When oh. I think the Antonio, Antonio Banderas character, you know, being Spanish, obviously, you know, they would have played into that at the very, even if that wasn't the, you know, the goal of that character, because that character does exist in literature already, then the interpretation for the Shrek movies, I'm sure, was... Uh, a direct result of something like this right right um but yeah no that's funny that that was the uh that that was the like how you equated the uh <laughs> yeah. the line like that was your frame of reference was <laughs> puss in boots from from shrek basically yeah <laughs> um i all the uh all the names are hilarious prince humperdinck uh fezzik fazzini um what else even even farm boy in the beginning i was laughing at for a, a stretch yeah um but uh yeah, I I know it's going to sound throughout this podcast that I didn't like this movie. I, I do like it. I just I wish I liked it a lot more. And I suppose there's one thing that I thought well, the reason why I thought it was maybe really strange and how it sort of, you know, the keys reading the book to his uh, his grandson. Right. And um, mm-hmm. I was thinking throughout it because there's so many like moments where like in a real maybe medieval movie, it would have been more dark or violent or whatever that i feel like maybe he was like cleaning it up for him along the way Mm. did you ever notice that or is that supposed to be something you're supposed to take away from it because it seemed like a lot of lines or or maybe a lot of moments in the movie that would have been a little more visceral or action or bloody or what have you something that's not uh made for a child that he simply uh cleaned it up while he was reading it I think that is, I think it is intentional, if not necessarily, like, done, like, very clearly, necessarily, because, um, you know, you have, like, they sort of play with the narrative of, like, the grandpa being, like, well, I'm going to edit out some of the kissing parts and, like, pausing at certain points with, like, the screaming eel, um, but even if you look at, like, the the book that the screenplay comes from, the framing device of the book is essentially like the author William Goldman like grew up like with this book that his grandfather read to him and he tries to get his nephew or his grandson some young person in his life to read it and this other kid like stops like on the second chapter and the grandfather or William Goldman is like why doesn't he like this book and then goes and realizes that the book his grandfather had just been editing it the whole time he was telling it to him. And so okay. William Goldman presents the book as like, here's the story excised of all like the bullshit boring parts. Mm-hmm. So there's a little um, bit of weight, a little bit of weight to my theory. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you're right that it's not conveyed properly in the movie that that's kind of what, what is happening. I mean, you, you got the sense of it, so you're right. But I think that that probably you were more focused on that part of it. Um, which could easily take you out of it. And that's totally understandable because yeah, the, the name of the book is a princess bride uh, abridged by William Goldman based on the novel by S. Morgenstern. Bridget is holding it up to the, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
for yeah, all so the like, viewers in the podcast world. Yeah, so like the the book starts with him trying desperately to like find this book in a bookstore and all these other things that like is not in the movie, which is it's better for it. Um, but yeah, so the the book is an abridged version to make it the most you know romantic action packed you know type of rescue mission and true love you know thing all rolled into one without any of the uh like political war type setups that are hinted at throughout the movie um it cuts that part of that political intrigue out in favor of the love story and the swashbuckling and the in the adventure so i mean so you got it i mean <laughs> yeah gotcha yeah i know I, I didn't think they were gonna like circle back to it like hey, when you're older, I'll read you the real story. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't think there was yeah. ever going to be a line like that, but I just, watching it, I was like, it just seems like, especially like when they're, um, like, are you are you ready to fight me? Are you ready to fight me? The whole thing on the cliff with the, you know, handing him the rope and all the uh, the, the, the niceties and the, the pleasantries that they're mm -hmm. sort of exchanging before the fight. It just seemed like that's something that wouldn't have been in like a, a real swash, swashbuckling or, uh, medieval story and I just felt like he was sort of playing it up a little bit for his uh his well, grandson. Stuff, yeah, stuff like that. I don't know that it's necessarily wouldn't be part of the story in a traditional sense because I mean the way that, that Inigo is portrayed is that he's not really in it for the murder. He's not a bad guy. He's literally just on this quest with this guy to pay the bills while he searches for the the man that killed his father. So you know he doesn't really care about killing this dude like you know, the guy d did well enough to climb the cliff. You might as well give him a fair shake. And so I think that that's more just, you know, he's a he's a good man at heart and he just wants a fair fight. It's the same reason why Fezzik's like, I'll fight you one on one. It's sportsmanship. That's just how I want to, you know, that's just how I want to do business. That's the kind of person I am rather sure. than the more cutthroat uh, Vizzini. Yeah, Fe Fezzik was great. That I Again, I like Andre the Giant in general, but um, it was cool seeing him in a feature. Um, and his size is just like enormous. It's just like mm -hmm. even just watching him in the ring as a kid or whatever, that, that, that's something. But seeing like close up shots of his hands on top of people's heads, it's like it's just so crazy. Um, and like there's so many moments where they play up his size and, you know, he, it seems like he's knocked out like at least three people in the movie by just like bumping his fist on top of their head. Yeah. Um, Gently. Gently, very gently. <laughs> um, or like he's him slapping the eel outside of the boat. Yeah. I like the look on Anigo's face when he's drunk at the end. Uh, and Andre comes to like get him. And you just see the hand and he looks at the hand. And then he looks up like, oh, there's only one person I know with hands this big. <laughs> that cover my entire right. face. Uh, and you're right, because like when you watch him in wrestling, like he's in there with other dudes that are over six feet tall and, you know, they're tall, strong people. But here he's on screen with, you know, more or less regular sized people. No, right. Uh, and then I mean, even even with wrestling, too, I mean, and obviously they do this for a reason. They're doing everything in medium and long shots. They don't want you to you see the sort of the, the, the magic that goes into it, per se. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to see like these close ups of his uh, huge hands on top of people's heads is a. Uh, is crazy. Um, I thought uh, Wallace Shawn, uh, yeah. he was he was great in it. He, he was only in it for like like an hour, I think, at most. Yeah, um, by the first forty five minutes. Yeah. Right, right. And again, a lot of my notes are going to be sort of scattershot thoughts on this because this is kind of how I enjoyed the movie was just like these small little moments. Yeah. 
the, again, I thought the rope, all the rope and the sword fight, that whole sequence is is funny, but it's still strange to me, like watching it. It, it just, <laughs> there's moments of great little action, then it's like the sort of like stopping and sort of, uh, you know, illustrating what's going on and the you know, uh, you, sort of telegraphing what they're going to be doing next so they don't hurt each other. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this a uh, lot, lot, lot of great little moments. Um, the moment where he's talking about, what is it, uh, Plato, Socrates, and Aristotle, and he goes, yeah, they're all morons. Morons. <laughs> that was yeah, what the, did you think about the little the little battle of wits? Oh, with the wine and the poisoning? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to be another sort of critique of mine where I it, it was funny for a while, but it, it also sort of wore out its welcome very much in the vein of a lot of uh, maybe like family guy jokes where it just they just go on and on and beat like beat it. Beat, beating a dead horse essentially i thought it was it was a funny exchange and they both did it very well i just thought it like overstated its welcome and i understand at least for me i understand that it was very could be perceived to be and be very funny for a lot of people but uh after a while i was like all right i i, I get it did you have any idea what was going to happen in the end like between the two of them in that battle of wits oh like that he poisoned both the cups yeah I actually didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know if he like didn't poison them all, or I. I, I just figured that he was just smart enough that he wasn't going to get the right cup no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. He, he outwitted me. I guess if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that you had a sort of similar reaction to Brian, um, who my fiance who watched it with me, who also was watching it for the first time, and it ended, and he was like. That was a good movie. I feel very confused. <laughs> I feel unsettled <laughs> by the tone of this movie. It's just I I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't. <laughs> I don't know where like like he's like I can't I could see the gears turning. It's like I'm trying to and I can't Right. And I think you really summed it up of like I don't know what wavelength I'm supposed to be on with this movie. It's it's I think it's totally just like all over the place and I I know that it's absolutely it's every intention to sort of just be like every movie in one movie um but i totally understand brian i mean if like disney plus had and maybe they do like a sort of add to your library option i would have had my finger over the button for the whole credits and then like chose not to like at the end <laughs> like 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 it's just like i just don't know like if i ever want to like watch that movie from front to end ever wow. i'm sorry I, maybe I i'm already reaching the book end of the podcast no, i was gonna say like I remember feeling similar, I think, the first time I watched it of, like, that was nothing at all like my what I expected. I enjoyed it, but I don't know that I loved it, and I don't know that I get it. And I've come to appreciate it more on rewatches, but I'm, like, I'm a big, like, movie rewatcher. Like, if I find something I like, I'm going to watch it probably, like, ten times. Um, and I know that's not the way for everyone like brian is like a once i've seen it i've seen it and it's dead right. to me and i'm moving on yeah i don't know i don't know if, if if i watched this maybe in a different setting with people or if i had maybe a couple of drinks or whatever it just mm-hmm. it's it definitely feels like a fever dream of a movie if i if i could <laughs> get, uh do you feel uh, like you were the sick compliment. boy I think that's I think that's the the goal is that if you feel like you are the sick child at the beginning and you're kind of out of it a little bit, and... <laughs> yeah. Very, very interesting thought because yeah, it does seem that it's just it's so fantastical and so weird and a lot of the jokes land and some of them don't. Uh, 
and uh, there's like some weird like that the whole scene with the rats like this. I, what did I write down? I said one of the most disgusting rats ever put to Sallywood. <laughs> yeah, when I when I was watching when I was watching that this time, I couldn't figure out if they were people in rat costumes. And they I are don't. People in rat okay, costumes. that's what I they, thought. They I totally are. And I wrote I wrote little person in costume. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were disgusting, and it was it was it, I think for like a child that would have been a little much because like it's just gnawing on the dude's arm or his yeah. shoulder. A good he's minute. bleeding and you know bleeding. they're lighting each other on fire and mm-hmm. yeah it was a the fire swamp was rough um <laughs> let's can we talk about the pit of despair yes yes uh, that machine i don't know <laughs> i get it it sucks the life out of you yeah and when he was like having such a hard time with it at one and then uh the prince came down and jacked it up to 50 I like I like shook like just a little bit like I didn't know what to expect from it. I was like, if this dude's totally like misery or miserable on one, and the, I can't believe he scaled it up to fifty. By the way, that just what a maniac. Uh, <laughs> and then the uh, who was the guy working there? I don't even think he oh, had it, a name. It, it. I wrote pit of despair, dude. I wrote pitmaster. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think they call him the albino. The albino, yeah. He's credited as the albino. The wheelbarrow at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the wheelbarrow Uh, left with the albino? Right. So, and when I saw the machine for the first time, and I'm like, oh, that's where the budget went. (laughs) (laughs) First time I saw like a really intricate piece of like an intricate set in the entire movie. Um, But uh, yeah, the, the the pit of despair was was funny. Yeah, and I, I love this. He's sitting there, and he's like, "Now this is for posterity, so don't lie. Tell oh. me how you feel." <laughs> yeah, Christopher Guest is so good because you—he's sinister, but just so goofy at the same time. Like yeah. the conversation he and Humperdinck have outside, outside the pit. Like, there's nothing more important than your health, and he just kind of goes away. So Christopher Guest is the Six Fingers dude, right, Tyrone? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, my my favorite of his is still the, uh, you know, when he tells when he sees an eagle for the first time, and he's like, you, you know, you kill my father, prepare to die, and then he just hightails it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go about exchanging a per- particularly bloody uh, sword fight in the dining room. It was just like, yeah. it's kind of rough. Um, yeah. <laughs> but. Is good. Like I, I always forget like how good it feels. Like when Mandy Patinkin is finally like, "I want my father back, you son of a bitch," and he like so twists the sword. You're like, Jesus. Yeah, it's like, it's really good. I like that he gave him the same scars too on his face. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Offer I mean, me I, money. Right. Offer right. Me power. Offer me that too. And again, I had no expectations. That I had honestly, I guess, uh, uh, credit to the the movie. I didn't really know where the movie was gonna go. I mean, I figured, you know, Dan's a little distressed. She's going to be saved, da 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 da. But I didn't know, like, like his like little backstory was going to come back. Like when they get, when they find him in the woods and he sees the glove with the six fingers, and I'm like, okay, I like this. I like that it wasn't just a throwaway backstory, and that he actually has like some sort of purpose in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's done in like a nice little tongue-in-cheek way of like knowing full well that it's going to come back into play when he just looks at him and he's like, "You have six fingers on your right hand." Someone was looking for you, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, totally setting right. that up before getting right. bumped on the head. Um, so, I mean, you, you just mentioned your expectations a little bit. And we talked about this at the start where 
your reason more or less for why you hadn't seen this movie is almost line for line what Ben Savage says he doesn't care about this book right. at the be- the very beginning. Um, so I'm now seeing that it does have action and sword fighting and fencing and romance and stabbing and monsters. Like, how did that, did you feel like you were, you know, kind of in the, in the place of the, the, I guess the main L- living so vicariously through this sick child. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> no, it, you're absolutely right. The minute it started off, um, I, he seemed like just, uh, as confused as to why his grandpa chose this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, you know mom or dad renting the video for you and you not picking it out sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that aspect was there. I, again, I didn't, I knew going into it that it wasn't just going to be like a princess story. It's not going to be like tangled or something. You know what I mean? It's not going to be just, well, hey, that's a good movie too. Well, okay. I haven't seen that. <laughs> Maybe that'll be episode 500 and something. All right. Okay. Um, but uh, no, I knew it was going to be a, a, a mix and a blend of uh, comedy and action. And uh, I was just curious about how the how deftly they went about doing it or how well they did it or how well they didn't do it. Um, but I think for me, like I, I completely understand why someone would pick this movie to show to their kid. Um, you know, slightly older kid, maybe like a seven, seven year old or whatever. But um I, as an adult, and again, I don't know, it's just because I didn't watch this when I was younger or earlier or whatever. It just, maybe just, I just wasn't on that wavelength because it's not quite Mighty Python, but it's not quite like a a Disney princess movie either. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like somewhere in the middle where I, there, all the sort of the humor parts and like some of the dialogue, I wish there were more of it, even though I had a problem with some of like the running gags. Like there's one thing where they're talking about the, uh, inheriting a pirate ship over like the history like do you know what i'm talking about that sequence of dialogue where he's like oh you would oh. inherit the ship and then oh maybe then after that you could inherit the ship I, I just i maybe i was confused about the exchange but i was like all right can we just move on from this part of it yeah i mean it's one of those things where i feel like and i think because rob reiner's at the helm of it and given his familial history but it does kind of feel like it's it's almost mel brooks like like it's almost to that level of zany and kind of over the top um but it's a little bit more reserved in that aspect and and, you know rob reiner's father obviously worked with mel brooks for years and years and years so he was always around that kind of humor um so i think it just it it almost is very similar to a movie in that style but doesn't go far enough into the zany to where it becomes a Monty Python, a Mel Brooks-esque, and stays more in that, like, more mainstream realm, yeah. I guess, uh, yeah. if that makes sense. It was more it like... Uh, fully absurd. Right. Yeah. It was like uh, like Neverland directed by Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just like, it's, it's that, it's it's supposed to be that genuine, that sort of lighthearted. Um, so I understand why I can't go full bore uh, with the humor. Oh, so what were some of your favorite characters from the movie? I think if I had to pick, um, it would have to be Montagna, Montagna, um, Indigo. Um, yeah. he was great. I like Prince Humperdinck. He was funny. I, you know, I, I, it's, you know, we're sort of building a little bit of a universe here with our podcast and I know we haven't seen this movie, but we were talking recently about, uh, cops and horror movies. He was the cop in the child's play movie. The first one. Oh, Okay. 
Which you so, called Chucky last week. Which I called Chucky last time. <laughs> Zach was deeply uh, offended and called me afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's cool. um, I. Again, I, I adored seeing Andre the Giant in this. He was great. Um, yeah. I was glad to see that he came back because it seemed like he was done when sort of Fazzini was out of the picture too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was glad to see that he came back. I mean, some some interesting characters in here, the Boo lady from her dream where she's like, Boo, Boo, <laughs> Boo. You had true love and you threw it away. Right. Yeah. Every time I boo something in real life, I'm channeling that woman. <laughs> like I think about her regularly. Oh, <laughs> I, w- I will say, though, I think was a complete miss for me was Billy Crystal. No, yeah. really? really? Yeah. Oh, no. no. Miracle Max, man. Miracle Max was the big miss for me. Wow. I don't know why. I, I... <laughs> yeah, Bridget, Bridget called this one. Oh, that that I wasn't gonna like Miracle well, Max. When yeah. we were speculating, like while you while you were coming back, and we were speculating, like Adam was like, "I wonder what what section like Johnny was not about." I'm like Billy Crystal. Oh, it's gonna man. be Billy Crystal. <laughs> and then Adam made the good point of another fan favorite of ours is also in that scene, heightening that the tension probably for you. Yeah, I think you're just carrying over your resentment of Carol Kane from Scrooge and that colored your whole perspective of the scene. Yeah, no, yeah, that must have been it. Um, I'm over the old man makeup, this 80s makeup at this point. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say I did laugh when he was like, when they were trying to put like both of them teaming up to put that little pill together. It was like like two people, like and they put it into the bag and gave it to him. I thought that was really funny, but I... I it was Billy Crystal. I like Billy Crystal, but for some reason, it just like I don't think he w- was needed in the movie. I don't know. You could yell at me or no. no I mean, I I get that. Game, like that's a part of the movie that like is a little bit of like a uh, for me just because like he comes in because so much of the movie up to that point is really towing the line like between very straightforward and very absurd. And he tips it just a little too far. Like, he comes in too hot. He does. Too much. Yeah, he does. And I think it I, I think it was just one character too many. Like, they had a perfect amount of characters, I think, at that point to sort of keep track of what's going on. And to throw, like, one more in, especially one that's, like, arguably the most uh, popular person in the movie, celebrity-wise, up to that point. And I don't know. Was Harry met Sally before this or after this? It's the after. first it's the first movie after this that Rob Reiner that Rob Reiner directs. Again, I think it was just one of those things where I knew the character was probably in the script, but it was one of those things where Rob was like, Let me I'm gonna call up a friend for this, you know what I mean? Instead of yeah. like really going out and casting We're just someone for like it. Goof off. Like you can tell a lot of the movie you get the sense of like it was just fun to like shoot. Like mm-hmm. there's good there's good vibes. Like, oh yeah, it's just super sense. like again the super low budget and mm-hmm. again it was like oh Billy Crystal's gonna be here today. You know, yeah, like we'll yeah. just hang um, out. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's, that too, was, go ahead. there's too many there's too many lines though that like I get I get what you're saying and like how it kind of drags it down a little bit because it is almost like a stopping point for the movie because like they could have gone and rescued Wesley and then gone immediately to the castle and they have to take this aside you know, to go get him healed from being mostly dead. But like, there's just so, there's so many lines in that, that I crack up every single time when he's, you know, when he's explaining what he thinks, like what he thinks came out of, he's like, see, true love. See, he's like, no, 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 no. He said to blade, which means to bluff. So you probably owe him money. 
uh, or <laughs> there's nothing better than that except a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich with a mutton is nice and lean like I don't know this shit kills me and the, I'm not a witch I'm your wife just fucking get to me oh yeah that was good <laughs> yeah again there, there were good lines in that scene it was just yeah. like when I saw Billy Crystal and I saw where the scene was going I was just like it seemed like it was a little bit too much, and again, I think it was a, it's a it's a it's an example of throwing too much at the wall and seeing what sticks with this movie. And again, a lot of it does stick, but there's a lot of stuff, at least for me, that sort of falls in between. Um, and if we're talking about like a a big critique for me, I think that's one of the bigger misses in the movie. But it doesn't kill it for me, and I don't think anything really could really kill this movie because again, it's it's hard to hate this movie, I guess, or, or hard not to like this movie. You know what I mean? I wonder too if maybe um, rather than putting him there, uh, if if maybe Billy Crystal was like the the priest doing the you know the wedding oh, because like right or or even or so even, even no I know that but I'm just saying like if if yeah. if you had to pick one place for Billy Crystal to be I feel like maybe that one because the the characters themselves even seem kind of similar back to back because they both have kind of a a vocal affectation a and. A lot yeah. going on in the face area. The priest so. was super weird. weird. But yeah, I also, and if you're speaking of you're like swapping characters, I know he did such a good job in this, but I think Billy Crystal could have easily done the Fazzini. Yeah. I think you could have played that. I think you could have played that. And like if you needed to put Billy Crystal in the movie somewhere and not have him be Miracle Max, I think that would have been probably a good place for probably, him Yeah, too. probably the best place to do it, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you can't take Wallace Shawn out of that because he's, it, it would be inconceivable to do that, Johnny. It, it would be inconceivable. <laughs> I will say it definitely puts me in a mood where I'd want to watch like old swashbuckling movies like uh, like the claymation ones, like the Sinbad and the Seven Seas, like those old yeah. ones. Like I love that. Yeah, exactly. I know uh, you were talking about like, you know, you can tell this movie's clearly on a budget, which I kind of love. Like I wrote down like. I miss practical effects, like bad practical sure, effects. Sure, sure. Not like J.J. Abrams has like gotten ILM and they're doing great work. Like somebody like is spray painting. What you don't think ILM garage. did those rats? No, I don't think. Well, maybe they did bring me as much joy. But even just like when you get to like the cliffs of insanity and they have those gorgeous matte paintings in the background, like that kind of shit that you just don't see in movies anymore. Like, and it feels like even at the time that this movie was made it was very nostalgic for those movies as well which i i like right and i think i i like this movie uh too because it reminds me of like and this is it has a lot of similarities but like wizard of oz you know what i mean you have someone who is sort of like sick or in a coma or whatever and they're being read a fantasy or they're in the fantasy and there's just it, it like again it feels like the whole movie feels like a fever dream like i feel like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and maybe consider that that was a dream and we all <laughs> we have to do another podcast. Yeah, no, you're right. But there were a lot of great uh, scenes that were shot like on like real like like that looks like the cliffs of Dover or something like some like real yeah. cool looking places. They in that one scene where they they both tumble down a hill for like 20 yes. minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh. As you wish. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, that was good. Yeah, and it looks it looks like they hit really hard. Like whoever the stunt people were for that, props to them. Fun. Yeah, it looks it de- definitely looked like it hurt a l- just a little bit. Like somersaults and yeah, they do a good job of 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 changing it up between twisting sideways and going end over end and sliding. Like they get all of the facets of falling down a hill exactly yeah. right. <laughs> so I think it's it's a credit to the team. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a I don't know, it's it's a movie of details for me. Um 
I, I, I wrote down this one thing. Uh, he's like, you singed a bit, were you, when she got hit by the flame and he just shakes his head? Like, I don't know if that's supposed to be funny, but I laugh really hard at that. I don't know why. And it's, I'm sure it's not, again, I, for me, like, and I, and people maybe find this out who watch the pot, listen to the podcast. Um, like, I'm a man who, like, laughs at the things that are in between the things that are supposed to be funny. Like, that's kind of like my wavelength, like what I sort of laugh at. I mean, I'll laugh at the stuff that a lot of other people do, but, I sometimes like I will feel embarrassed because I will laugh out loud in the theater. Obviously not in 2020, but I will laugh out loud at something that no one else does. Like that's the type of person I am. And, and again, I I like this movie because it was filled with a lot of those weird sort of obscure moments that I thought were hilarious. Yeah, and I mean some of the lines too. Like obviously the the ones that are delivered with purpose, like the you know you, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. But then there are some that are just like throwaways that are just like really funny. Like. I laughed really hard and like the first one that I wrote down was, uh, you know, the, he's starting to tell the story of, of Wesley and Buttercup, the farm boy and everything like that. And the kid's just like not having it. And then he's like, and then he's like, talks about how like Wesley was, you know, dead or whatever. And you just hear Ben Savage like off screen go murdered by pirates is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I, I like the one when the grandpa's like trying to like tell him to like be quiet about a certain scene because he's asking so many questions. He's like, okay, now shut up or whatever. And like the scene just goes right back into whatever they were doing. Yeah. Like another uh, throwaway dialogue I liked was uh, you just move your finger. Wonderful from uh, <laughs> like that. I thought that that delivery was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you shake I'd your like... head. You're not happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I... I like. Um, let me explain. Oh, that's not time. Let me sum up. Like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Or uh, when when Wesley knocks out Andre the Giant, excuse me, uh, Fezzik and uh he goes, rest well and dream of large women. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I laughed. I laughed pretty good at that. That was good. No, that was good. Uh, I also thought there was some really, uh, some really funny uh, things where they're like, where he's talking about how uh, people in mass are not to be trusted. Oh, I love that line. I wrote that somewhere too. Yeah. And then just a couple of scenes later, uh, I thought it was, I laughed because of how apt it was where he's like, I like masks. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love that too because the way he described it is totally like was total 2020. Yeah, uh, that was that was that was like wow. Who would have thought that that would have been a a throwaway line from every <laughs> other year I've watched this movie and now would hit so different, so hard. It's funny. Oh no, that stuff was real good. Um, my I think my one of my favorite Andre the Giant lines is when he's talking about going after Buttercup and, and he goes like I don't swim and Andre the Giant just puts his little hands up and goes I only dog paddle. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I wrote that too. I wrote that down here. I only dog paddle. That was one I think that like when we were younger, like my sister and I would just like like one of us would walk into the room and be like, I only dog a paddle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will admittedly I did have to put on the subtitles at one point because I felt like I was missing a lot of his lines. He uh, yeah, his his accent is very very thick. It's very thick, and then obviously he has such a huge deep cavernous voice. Yeah. Um, I mean, that helps a lot with some of the lines. Like, I don't think someone that doesn't sound like Andre the Giant would pull off a similar line of I only dog paddle or yeah, some right. of the other things that he says. Um, so it's a it's kind of a give and take uh, with with regards to that. But I, I do think that he's uh, he's great in this. And I mean, you don't see this while watching the movie, Johnny. But um, have you seen any of like the Andre the Giant documentaries that they did on like HBO or ESPN or whoever? I forget who did it. I think it was HBO. Yeah, Where I they, did. Where they just talk about how he was just in constant pain throughout the entire filming of this. And that like 
when they do the scene at the end where he has to catch Buttercup from like jumping out of the castle, they basically just had to like hover her like inches above his hands and then just let her go. Cause like he couldn't do like a full catch from dropping above her head or his head. They just had to basically do all you see in that scene because like he was in so much pain just from, you know, the wear and tear in his body from, from years and years of wrestling and being a giant and heavy copious amounts of drinking. (laughs) <laughs> no, I yeah, I did see the documentary. It was great. Um, but yeah, I do remember uh, that sequence in the documentary where they talked about uh, him catching uh, one of the characters in the movie. And then even there's sequences where he's running down like the hallway of the castle and he's just like sort of like lumbering. And I'm like, I, I just feel his pain. He's just mm-hmm. there's just so much weight on his back. And, you know, and then when she jumped out of the window and I knew that that was an issue. And there was three guys left. I was like, "Oh no!" Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, did I miss? Did they skip that part of the documentary where he had to catch three other people? Well, uh, I think two of them you don't see. You don't see Wesley, and you don't see Anigo. They just like they jump I think at the they same time jump on the horses. Yeah, and then they're on the horses, and they all ride off into the sunset. Right. So it really is only just her that he has to catch. I don't know if the plan was to have other catches, but right. And then in a complete reversal, I started feeling bad for the horse that Andre the Giant was riding out of the way out. Yes, that's a very fair thing. <laughs> no horse should have to put up with that. I didn't right, stick around right. through the entirety of the credits, despite how much I love that song. Um, but I didn't see any even like no horses were harmed in the making of this. Yeah. this movie oh, right you know, that. something that I noticed, and maybe Adam, you already knew this, but like having watching the credits go through. Like, but Mark Knopfler did like the whole soundtrack for this movie. Like, really? Who is that? Yeah. He's like the lead singer of Dire Straits. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I saw the name there, but it didn't like it didn't register to me. It was Brian actually who noticed it. Like, as the credits started going, he's like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, that, that that checks out. I guess Just that last song is beautiful. Confusion of the movie. Yeah. The last like head spin. I will say probably one of my favorite uh, running gags, and again, this is where I think maybe they should have spread out some of the jokes that they uh, compacted together in one sequence. Was the inconvenience running gag? I loved. Oh, the inconceivable. Oh, the inconceivable. Sorry, yeah, yeah the inconceivable. Yeah, I and I actually. I, I was like, you know, what? I should probably keep a tally of this. I tallied five instances where he said it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great, too, because, like, I love when Aniko looks at him and it's just like, so you keep using that word. It does not mean what I think it means. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, because it, it, it does, like, the more he says it, the more he sounds like that person who got a word a day calendar and is trying to just throw it into everyday conversation. Sure. But, like, beyond, you know, the, the famous Dread Pirate Roberts being involved, I think all those things were inconceivable that the man would climb that rope all by himself yeah. and that the ship would be able to catch up to them. Like, all right. It, it was a solid plan. Like I, you got to admit the scene, he had a solid plan. He, you know, he had the little, the, the rip of the, the armor clothing from, from Gilder. And he put that on the horse to then, you know, set up the whole, you know, frame for murder thing. It right. was a, it was a pretty genius plan. I love even from the get where uh, Fazzini just has no idea how the sailboat works. And he's like, you take that, grab that, and then yeah. t- grab that and pull that down. Why are you pulling that down? Lift the thing, I think yeah, he says at one thing. point. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I love that to go boat. Fast there. It's a good boat. Yeah, it's a quality, it's a quality sailing ship. Um, 
I, the first thing in the beginning before we even got to the, uh, the, the fantasy stuff was, uh, where his grandpa was like, he's like, he's like the book. He's like, is but uh, television was when it was called a book. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my day, TV was called books. Oh, the books. <laughs> <laughs> no, the grandpa's great in this, uh, Peter. Falk, he is good. Columbo. Yeah. I love his entrance where he just like the mom comes in and says like, your grandpa's here. He's gonna, you know, the kid's like, no, no, not grandpa. And then he comes in with jazz hands and his hat, in his head. He's just like, Oh, right. He's like, Ta-da, <laughs> grandpa's here. Yeah. I couldn't understand. It didn't, did the mother indicate right at the beginning that, that he was sick? Because I couldn't. Well, she came in. She's like, how are you feeling? And, okay. you know, it, it was clear that he had been in bed all day, you know, playing RBI baseball. Oh, which, yeah. I, I, mean, I saw that. Yeah. It was sick. What a what a wonderful. You know, he's got the TV <laughs> in his room. He's got the NES with the joystick. He's got his He-Man action figures on his bed. Uh, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. The, the giant poster of the fridge. Right. Great and stuff. Did you guys see that we uh, are actually still having an Easter egg of a of a Christmas part of this movie? Did you guys yep. see what I saw on the back? Oh, that yeah. deranged Santa Claus hanging <laughs> on his closet. Yep. So I actually like I watched this like about a month ago, actually, like just because like I was home and was like, let me just throw this on so I have something in the background. And I saw the Santa and I texted Adam. I was like, technically, it is a Christmas movie if we had to slide it in yeah. the sly. Just saying. Yeah, we could um, we could make it work. I definitely think I saw some Christmas lights when the mom like opened the the shades the to look outside. There's a, there's a janky there's a janky like Christmas tree in the hallway as well. See, right. there you it's go. The tabletop. So it's a it was a good transitional movie for mm-hmm. us then. Good, good, proper transition. I did really love the uh, the part where they actually get to the castle, uh, and he throws the the gate up, and he looks at the the like the gatekeeper, and he's like, "Give me the, give me the gate key." And he's like, "What gate key? I don't have any gate key." And he goes, "Okay, rip his arms off." And he goes, "Oh, this gate key." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just the immediate switch and change in like confidence of like, you're, "There's no way you're getting past me." To oh, my arms off? Oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That guy steals a couple scenes. Or like there's a couple great scenes with him. Like when he goes to visit Humperdinck and like he goes to like kneel down, but he oh, puts yeah. his arm on the arm. Okay, and, like, I love that. To, like, that was great. Because Humperdinck just looks at him like seriously, and then he moves it and then Humperdinck leans on it. Like the whole the whole sequence is just I love okay. that detail. That was great. It's all those it's, see, it's all those like little moments, I think. I, I feel like and I know that I know that you like the movie, Johnny, and I and I and I get that sense um, in the stuff that you like, and and I understand obviously the criticisms, and I know you said that you probably wouldn't add it to a list and watch it again, but I feel like watching it again might might make the impact, as Bridget kind of said with with her or- original viewing of it, um, that I feel like it might change things for you. Not saying that it definitely will, or that I think you need to give it another go, but I feel like eventually one day, like you'll, someone will put this on, or you'll see it somewhere, and you'll give it another go. And knowing the, like taking the fever dream aspect out of it and making it so that way you can, you don't have to try to figure out the movie as you're watching it. I feel like you'll be able to focus on some of those little moments and you know, the appreciation of the dialogue will deepen to where you may come around more on this and see it, you know, as the the classic that it is. Not to say that you don't necessarily do right. it. Right. You know? 
Um, yeah, I, I, I think for me, even though I think, and I, and again, I, I, when I say fever dream, I say that like as a compliment, like, as, oh, yeah, like, for sure. like the way that I like, like return to Oz is like a uh, fever dream of what are other ones like the dark crystal or never ending story where you have just like these completely crazy movies that seem like they were just written on a writer's room of LSD. Like they just like, <laughs> like I enjoy those type of movies. And I think if I did. Uh, watch this movie again it would be in a setting where I wasn't writing down notes and I had like a beer in my hand and maybe someone else in the room you know what I mean I think I would yeah. enjoy the movie there and you know what I also think I would enjoy the movie a lot watching it with like a kid or like one of my little cousins or something like I think I would get a lot of joy out of now knowing when the beats are coming and the laughs are coming that what maybe they laugh at or what they enjoy and maybe enjoy the movie that that much more on like a level where I'm enjoying it because they're enjoying it, not because I'm enjoying it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, you're living through the experience. And I think that also plays right into kind of the framing device of the movie is, you know, the book is good, but it's, it's more about reading it to your kid. Like, right. And so they, that's like the whole point of the movie is being able to take this thing that you enjoyed as a child and being able to show that, to or read that to you know your kids or your nephew or whatever so i think the that makes a lot of sense that perspective because that is the framing device of the book and of the movie is passing on a beloved tale you know to the people that are close to you right um but you're right in that i feel like the keeping of notes and the more academic nature that the podcasts you know breeds um probably did hamper it a little bit because i think if we were and i said this to bridget while we were kind of waiting for you um at the beginning of you know we've talked about a lot of the things since we started doing this separately that you know we wish we could have been there together and it seems like it comes through each week where you know this would have been great if we could have sat there with you because then you could have seen the parts we laugh at we could see the parts you laugh at if there was anything that seemed wonky or outrageous that like we could have explained or anything like that. I feel like it would have changed things a lot, but I think right. you're right in your thought that down the line somewhere, if you see this again, it will be with friends or with someone that's seeing it for the first time. That's a little bit younger. There'll probably be, you know, some libations there, you know, you won't be sober. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think, I think at that point, it's just going to be about those funny lines and those funny moments and those things that really stand out and elevate it. Um, whereas, you know, you may not be so jazzed with the story through line of it, whereas, but the moments that are in there are just like all timers. And I feel like that would be probably what you'd get out of it upon future viewing. Should you ever decide to, you know, go through that fever dream again? (laughs) Yeah, I, again, I think you pretty much nailed all my feelings about the movie. It's, uh. It's again, it's it's a movie that I wish I loved as much as you guys because I could understand why people uh, enjoy it as much as they do. Just I, I just wish. And again, this will happen a lot, I think, with us, some of the podcasts um, that I just, I just don't have the history with it yet. I don't have that rich history with the movie like you guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're right. And, uh, you know, denying it any further would only hamper it, the experience of ever running into it again. So I think spinning it at some point um, in a different setting uh, will help maybe build doing that without making it seem laborious or something that I just like a task. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, 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 I enjoyed it. There's a lot of tiny moments that I really loved. Um, 
But again, just sort of wish that it was more of like a nine or a 10. Like I think, well, again, maybe I don't know if it's a nine or 10 for you guys, but it definitely seems to be a huge fan favorite. Um, especially if it lives on the IMDb top 250 or whatever. I mean, it's a movie that, you know, internationally, universally is absolutely adored. Yeah, it's got, and you know what? It's, this is like a weird one because it's definitely, it's like a cult favorite. And then like when it becomes a favorite, it becomes like a language that you speak kind of, which in some ways makes it, if you like just come in and sort of like enjoy it, but don't like enjoy it on that same wavelength, it becomes like, did I really enjoy this movie? Did I get it? Because I'm not going like, no more rhymes, I mean it. Does anyone <laughs> want a peanut kind of thing? Like, right. So it's not like, you know, like we we started off with Jaws, a movie that's very important to the two of us. And like, Adam enjoyed it, you know, but like didn't is not ever going to have that sort of personal connection. But in some ways, like if you leave the Princess Bride, there's like a weird energy of like, if you don't think this movie is beloved, like there's what, what's wrong with you? Even as like, Adam right, Adam, right, right. Like, we'll just we'll just quit the podcast if you don't <laughs> like this movie immediately. But like, there's a kind of like there is, I think, some like pressure to like fall in love with the movie that like can make it hard to like enjoy it on its own merits or just like yeah I take think the movie as it is right and I think again I, I think it's going to be a challenge for again the podcast and again I think all three of us are up for it but that the fact is I think if we had to think of all the movies we watched over the past month and a half or whatever it is that I think Black Christmas is one of the <laughs> best because none of us have seen it and yeah. there's nothing going into it that's saying that's going to be amazing outside of maybe a couple of lists that have popped on. Um, yeah. and, and even Zach himself was fairly reserved. I mean, even though he said, like, it's, it's going to be good, you guys are going to really enjoy it, I don't think he put it up there with the grades or anything else, so he hampered mm -hmm. our expectations. But when it comes to a Jaws, when it comes to this movie, um, unless you have repetitive exposure to it over, like, a long course of time, I don't think you'll ever reach the point of, say, like Adam, you loving Jaws as much as me and Bridget. I just don't think it's ever going to be there. But I think what needs to sort of come away with this is that, like, I understand why people enjoy it as much as they do. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could be there, but, like, it's almost, like, impenetrable. Like, I would have to Ed, watch it 50 times over the next 20 years, and then I'll call you back and we can have a conversation yeah. about it. Um, so... I'm glad that I'm in agreement with you guys that this is a good movie. Obviously, it's a great movie for you guys. Um, but I think going forward, I think as, as as we keep picking these bigger ones, like I think we're looking at Alien and Pulp Fiction and some other ones coming up, that we have to sort of like realistically set uh, some uh, expectations about what this person is going to walk away with because there's no way that you guys thought today that I'm going to be like, oh my god, guys, this was incredible. Like, I understand this, I'm adding it, I'm going to buy on a Blu-ray. Like, I don't think almost we're never going to have that reaction. No. Yeah, no, and I don't think that's necessarily like the goal as much as we joked about, you know, walking away from you as a friend and as a person <laughs> in, the, in the before part. Um, but I think ultimately, like for something like this, you know, something that, especially for the, the more lighthearted fair, like there will be ones mm -hmm. that we get to that will obviously be filled with drama and tension and action, all these different things. But for these lighthearted ones, honestly, like my, my whole expectation for you was just to, 
you would laugh at a lot of the same things that we laughed at that you would, you know, um, you might change your tune a little bit as far as the why you never watched it originally, just because, you know, the grandpa so quickly illustrates why it's worth your time. Uh, and as long as you come out of it, not feeling like we wasted that time and that you enjoyed it, even if it's not on the levels that we do, I think that's, that's the best you can hope for in a situation right, like right. this, like you said, um, because you're right. You can't ever ask anybody to watch a movie for the first time and have it come away being their favorite movie ever. It's just not feasible. It's not realistic. Um, I just want to make sure that any movie that I show either one of you or any movie that you guys show me or any movie that we show to somebody else that we know um, that in the end, it's, it's something that they like. Love is whatever, but like, as long as they like it, enjoyed it, we're happy to, you know, go along for the ride and the experience and that we can now laugh at funny moments. Or, you know, if you leave a party one day and I say, have fun storm in the castle, that you'll get that reference and you'll, <laughs> you'll laugh along with it. So I think that's, I mean, it seems like that's where you are with this, just given everything that you said that like, yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah, it's not, you know, up there in your personal pantheon of greatest things, but you know, you're not like, why, why did you show me this? Why do you like it? I don't get it. Um, so like, you know, I, I think that's, that's really all we could ask for in this situation is that you didn't hate it, which is good. Right. Right. Did, did not hate it. Yes. Cool. Well, I mean, that seems like a pretty good kind of bow on things. Bridget, was there anything else that you wanted to, to wrap up with? No, I, <laughs> no i had a thought that it was fleeting it's gone now cool all right well uh thank you for watching this movie with us johnny absolutely appreciate it thank you uh remember you can find every episode of fine i'll watch it every thursday morning uh on google play itunes podbean stitcher spotify amazon uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, so let us know what you think of The Princess Bride, if you watched it for the very first time along with listening to the podcast, or if this is a lifelong favorite, what are some of your favorite scenes and lines from it? Uh, let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, but once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening. Thanks.